the work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. House lights down. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us uh, on this edition of the Post Sunday Blues podcast. I have a special guest here with us this week. You'll notice that I am uh, Eric Mitchell, Executive Pastor of Liberty Church Collinswood, not Emily Anger. And my special guest is Doug Dwyer, who's the lead pastor at Addisville Reform Church in Richboro, PA. And you're going to learn quite a bit more about him in just a moment. Uh, but we're doing a special podcast this week. Doug, how are you on this uh, Tuesday of Easter week? I'm doing very well, recovering from uh, a very busy week, so for sure. Yeah, totally. And on Sunday afternoon, I was definitely uh, pretty wiped, pretty wiped out. <laughs> yeah. feeling pretty, feeling yeah, pretty tired. Yeah. We we were too. Holy Week's a great week, but it is uh, mm-hmm. it does catch up to you like Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening at some point. Um, yeah. Slept yeah. slept hard Sunday night. <laughs> um, well, yeah, Doug, I'm really excited to have you on, man. Uh, we've had a good relationship over several years now, which Absolutely. is kind of hard to believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Some folks at our church uh, have have seen you or heard you. you have, you've guest preached at Liberty Collinswood in the past, but it's been a while. Um, and then and then your sidekick, uh, the Addisville equivalent to me, Ryan Sweet, has also preached uh, before at Liberty Church Collinswood. But I think the last time he did was maybe all the way back in the Senior Community Center days. So it's been a while. Uh, yeah, it's, it's been a while for sure. Yeah, Doug, so we met uh, through our denomination. Uh, so you're in another state. Uh, so you're in, you're in Pennsylvania. We're in New Jersey, obviously. Uh, but met, met through our denomination. And Addisville, just so people know, and you already know this, obviously, Doug, but Addisville has been a, a longtime supporter of Liberty Church Commons in our early days financially, but also throughout the years, just uh, an encouragement to us. And so you guys uh, you guys are an important church to us, even though you're about mm-hmm. 45 minutes or an hour away, depending on traffic. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, that's a big if. <laughs> <laughs> But you guys have been, uh, yeah, have been, have been such supporters of our church and, and yeah. of me personally, of Jim, and yeah, of our congregation, wow. and uh, it's been fun. Yeah, you're you're a great guy, you're a great pastor, and you've become a good friend. So yeah, yeah. So I'm excited to to have a conversation and uh, and let folks in our church, maybe some that that heard you back in in the earlier days, or maybe some that uh, are newer to our church that maybe have never met you, Doug. I'm excited to let them get to know you uh, a little bit. Um, why don't you, before we jump in here, why don't you give us, um, maybe just tell us a little bit about Addisville Reformed Church, just to give our listeners a little bit of context. We'll get more into you specifically here in a few minutes, but give us a little bit of context. Like, uh, where is that, where is Addisville? What's Addisville like uh, as a church, as a congregation, all that kind of stuff? Uh, Addisville is a suburban church, a, uh, suburb of uh, Philadelphia. Uh, when it was first organized, this area was rural, it was farm. Um, and up until maybe about, oh, 60 years ago, it was primarily a rural area, but it has developed, it, it's it's suburban. Northampton Township uh, has a population of over 40,000. 
And when you put together, um, you know, Newtown and Wrightstown, you have about 60, 70,000 people that live uh, in this area. So it, it's a growing area. There's a few farms that have still held on, but uh, but yeah, a, a lot of developments. And uh, yeah, so, uh, so the church has changed over the years. It went from being rural to being suburban. Uh, when, when I came to this church in the late 90s, they were still advertising themselves as a rural suburban. And I got here and I'm like, uh, you haven't been rural in a while. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they kind of still saw themselves that way, but um, I don't think they, they do anymore. Um, our, our church, uh, it is on the scale theologically, it's a conservative, theologically conservative church. Um, we have two different services. Uh, we have a more traditional service at nine o'clock. And then um, we have an alternate. I don't like using the word contemporary because yeah, yeah. what I think of as contemporary is probably from the 80s and 90s. It really isn't contemporary <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. anymore. But it, it's a more relaxed uh, service. So we have one service. We have a big pipe organ and we have a choir. And... Um, they sing hymns primarily, and then we have another service where they sing uh, Caleb. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, and it's a more relaxed, a more uh, informal. Same message. Um, our delivery styles are probably more on the relaxed side, not highly liturgical. Uh, I think probably you guys are more, more liturgical than we are. Um, even at our 9 o'clock service, um, it's, a, it's sort of a little bit uh, of a more... A, a little bit more informal in some ways, I guess. So um, yeah. it's a very friendly church, multi-generational. Um, and uh, where it's been hard, I mean, for a lot of us, the uh, pandemic, it was challenging on so many different levels. Uh, right. we're, but we're, 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 we're slowly coming at back. People are starting to come back uh, greater numbers. And uh, Easter felt a lot closer to normal for us than the last two years were for sure. Yeah, no, I would say the same same for us. The mm -hmm. sanctuary was uh, as full as it's been uh, since mm -hmm. before the pandemic, which was really fun. Yeah, yeah. no, Addisville is, a, is an interesting area, Doug. I, every time I drive out, and, and just for uh, so other people know, like Doug and I, we get together, have lunch, not quite every month, but maybe every yeah. six weeks, something yeah. like that. And we that. usually alternate uh, you driving to New Jersey and then me driving uh, to you okay. uh, and, and to, to Addisville. And... Um, right. Yeah, driving over there, it is interesting because you go through, uh, yeah, you'll go through kind of a little bit of a rural stretch, and then and then there's like some houses that are clearly yeah. uh, like uh, you know 100 to 200 years old, and then and then you'll drive past a neighborhood of like McMansions from like yep. the 90s or 2000s, well, you got uh, it. and then you kind of rinse and repeat again with like some rural and some old buildings and old downtown and then more McMansions. And it's kind of an interesting mix. Uh, it is, it is. And it, uh, and, but it, you know, and it's, it's cool to drive through there. It's, it's winding a little bit more hilly than, than where we are in Camden County. It's flat, 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 flat. But, um, Bucks County is, is very pretty, but, um, I, I just see, uh, I, it's becoming very populated and it's a concern. I'm a native Long Islander and I saw what they did to Long Island and I'm seeing some of that happening here um it does begin to impact the quality of life but bucks county is is a, is a very pretty area yeah for sure 
Well, hey, man, why don't we, thanks for giving some context. Why don't we jump yeah. in, uh, so call it Stormy Monday. Yeah, so so just for our listeners. So yeah, this is a little bit of a different uh, episode than our normal podcast. So normally on this midweek pod, we would have whoever preached on. So normally it's Emily interviewing Jim. And we talk about uh, the sermon from the previous Sunday, dissect it, get into it a little bit. Uh, but but for, for this Sunday, Jim is on spring break with his family and out of town. Uh, so what I did is I asked Doug to come on, and this is going to be our third installment, uh, in what we're calling preacher origins. And so we've heard, uh, on this podcast, it was a year ago, actually, that Jim, a little over a year ago that Jim, uh, gave his own preacher origin story. And then he interviewed a couple months after that, it was actually last April, uh, Matt Harmon, the lead pastor at Liberty Mainline. He gave some of his preacher origin story, which overlaps quite a bit with Jim. So they went to college and then seminary together, which is a pretty fun story. Um, but so this is actually our third installment of preacher origins, um, where we're going to learn a little bit more about Doug and, uh, how he became a preacher and preaching and all that kind of good stuff. Um, Doug, I sent you the outline in advance, and you probably noticed uh, that that there's a lot of musical references as the titles to these different sections. Um, full disclosure, I don't understand all of them because Jim created this outline. Jim is the music guy. He's Mr. Creative. Uh, I think most of them are blues references, uh, which is not a genre that I typically listen to or fully understand. Um so uh, if you don't understand the references either, Doug, we just we're just gonna roll through. Jim can uh, I can the let questions, us know. But <laughs> but yeah, there's there's questions in parentheses so we can figure it out. <laughs> but before we start though, though, Doug, what what's your favorite genre of music? Do you have a favorite uh, genre that you listen to? Uh, I'm I'm pretty broad. I I like I like classic rock. I I like. Um, uh, Christian gospel. Uh, I like Broadway show music. Um, uh, okay. Uh, can't say I'm a I'm big on on rap, but uh, outside of that, uh, I'm I'm pretty. I guess I'm I'm pretty. I I like light jazz. There and you go. So my my car, I have about I have uh, like Cirrus. I have it, and I have things pre-programmed, and I I I um. I have a pretty broad taste, and I get tired of it. Then I go to something else. So my wife never knows what she's getting into when she climbs into my car. Yeah, fair enough. My wife's the same way. We actually have a little bit of an ongoing. Uh, I won't call it. It's not a fight. It's not a feud. I, I don't know what I would call it, but there, there, there's a, a, an ongoing thing in our marriage where when we get into the car, like before I even put it like into reverse, like I'm yeah. choosing the music. Uh, before we start to back out of the driveway and sometimes she's just like come on let's go like what are we like what are you waiting for and i'm like scrolling you know like trying to find the right music just, uh, you know, what you're in the mood for yeah yeah even if it's a short ride i, I want to get something <laughs> get something going before we back out uh, i don't like to drive in silence yeah. all right a tour of sun studios so uh how the sermon or at least this week how the preacher got made doug woke up this morning how did you become a preacher? Give us uh, some backstory on you and uh, and how you ended up at the point of becoming a pastor, a minister, uh, and becoming uh, a full time weekly preacher. Um, I I was Christian Roman Catholic. Um, my father died when I was very young. Um, my my mom took me to uh, mass, and, and apparently when I was around four or five, I was so disruptive. 
during the mass. I think I thought the Eucharist was a cookie or something. And I apparently <laughs> interrupted mass and the priest stopped and told my mother, get that child out of here. So I was dragged <laughs> kicking and screaming out of the Catholic church. And she said to uh, this aunt and uncle who were, who she was living with, who were Protestant, um, I can't do anything with him. Maybe take him to Sunday school at your church. So I got basically kicked out of the Catholic faith, <laughs> and um, and and the uh, Protestants got stuck with me, um, and so that's how that's really how I I shifted over to a Protestant church, and we moved out on Long Island um, and uh, started attending Massapequa Reformed Church, and I grew up in that in that church, but I really would say my my Christian. Uh, beginnings really for me started when I was 15. I had announced to my family the summer before I was an atheist, just I think for the shock value. And, <laughs> uh, and it and it worked like a charm. I mean, there was the yelling and screaming. It was everything I wanted it to be and so much more. <laughs> and um, and so I uh, I was forced to go to confirmation class, which I which they had in, in my in my church. I didn't I, I didn't want to go to it. And yeah. I was very angry about it. But uh, they had this like renewal weekend, which I was made to go to. And in the course of that, it was a group that came down from actually up from uh, Pennsylvania. This was in Massapequa, Long Island, New York. They came up from Pennsylvania. As it turns out, they're the next town to where I'm living currently in Feasterville. Uh, and they came up, and in that weekend, I dedicated my life to Jesus Christ as a 15-year-old. Um, I, uh, it was a, it was for me, it was a radical, it was a radical change. I, it was sort of the tail end, uh, as far as the time frame, the very tail end of the Jesus movement that really started in the sixties and Chuck Smith baptizing hippies out in, out, yeah. out on the uh, West yeah. coast and so yeah. on. And, um, and this was like, this was like the very tail end of it. Um, when I came to Christ, I got involved in a charismatic Lutheran church. I continued to worship in the mornings and mass people reformed, but I got involved in a very large charismatic uh, church up in North Massapequa in the thousands of people. Uh, unfortunately, that church turned into a cult. And that's a long, that's another long story. I won't even go into that. <laughs> uh, but it became a pseudo Jewish, uh, changed the name to Sharesh Shai, which means congregation of the root of Jesse. It became a bizarre cult. And um, I, I was considering uh, taking the step and, and, and joining this inner circle called the uh, community within this cult. And, um, and we had gone out to Shaker Heights, Ohio for Christmas. Shaker Heights is among the most dismal places on the planet in December. <laughs> it's outside of Cleveland. It snows every day. Lake effect snow. It's just horrible. And uh, so we were out there. I had to walk our German shepherd. And I was, it was funny because I just, I had an, un, I had an unease. I had an unsettlement in me. I was like 18, but yeah. something was said. I had a, I wasn't totally comfortable about joining this inner circle in this, in this sect, even though I was pretty convinced that it was the right thing, but there was still like an undercurrent. Mm. And I remember being, I was, I was standing in an alley in Shaker Heights with our German shepherd, um, trying to, get her to answer nature's call. Totally. And it was freezing. It was so cold. I, I wanted to go inside. It was my, we were staying in a three-story walk-up and I just wanted to get back in, in, in inside. 
but I was I I was praying like Lord, what should I do? Should I join? Should I join this? Not, and you know, Eric, there's been a, just a few times in my life where I heard God's voice and it was audible, and that was one of those times I heard yeah. the word leave, leave. That's all I heard, leave, and I knew what I must do when I got home. When we got back in a January, we were there for like a week and a half. When I got yeah. home, I called up. I canceled the whole process. That church practiced shunning. So uh, all my friendships, all my relate, my entire social fabric uh, evaporated uh, overnight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, one or two people stayed in touch with me, but everybody else dropped me. And uh, it was hard. I was 18 year old, and my my world really had changed. So I got a little bit more reengaged in Massive People Reformed Church. I was teaching a high school Sunday school class. Some of the young people. We really weren't that far apart in age, and we've become friends over the years. And uh, I started going to Sunday night services at different churches, hmm. and that gave me a very broad range of Christianity. I went from Presbyterian to Pentecostal to non-denominational. Yeah. People ask me what I am today. I say I'm, I'm a Reformed Baptocostal because I'm kind of all over <laughs> the place. And, um, and uh, I actually started attending a full gospel church. I went there for a number of years. It was a place of healing coming out of a cult. Mm, yeah. Esther was a loving, kind, wonderful man. Yeah. Um, I loved the worship there. I had some theological differences with uh, Pentecostalism, but I loved Pentecostals, and I loved the worship. We would tarry at the altar sometimes for over an hour, Mm. Um, just praying after service. And it just, my my level of intimacy with my Savior grew definitely in the years I was at that church. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, I was still engaged in Massive Piqua. I became a deacon in the church. Um, I, I, was, I was pretty involved there. And so what happened, we, we had a new pastor that came to the church, David Detmers, um, and he uh, asked me out for lunch at this point now, I was probably maybe 23, somewhere in that age. Um, yeah, yeah. And he asked me out for lunch. I had no idea what he wanted to talk about. And he uh, said in the middle, I, somewhere between the entree and the uh, dessert, he said, <sighs> I, I really feel God is calling you to the ministry. Um, I felt that for a very long time. I, I, re I sense God is speaking to me about this, and I'm <laughs> and I was not interested. I had no desire to be a pastor. <laughs> yeah. um, and I I said to him, um, well, if God wants me to be a pastor, then he needs to be speaking to me about it and not you. And uh, I, <laughs> I, I was very resistant. And Eric, I have to say, that began about a two and a half year process. Mm. Uh, God has been called the hound of heaven. And he yeah. can be very annoying when he wants you to do something. <clears throat> and uh, I struggled for two and a half years, I did not want to be a pastor. I did not want to go into the ministry. I had a full-time job. I was moving into management uh, where I was working. I was very happy, um, but it came to a head. I was starting to have trouble sleeping at night. I was waking up at three in the morning praying, and I was like, God, you are so annoying. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be a pastor. And uh, finally, I had gotten a big promotion at, at work, and Jane had taken me out for dinner. It was a week to the day later, I said, we need to go out again for dinner. We were engaged, and yeah. I said, I need to talk to you about something. 
And I was thinking she might say, well, I didn't sign up to be married to a pastor. And we were engaged. She could have said, you know, have a happy life goodbye. So I didn't know really what I was going to expect. And uh, over dinner, I said, the Lord has been speaking to me and hounding me um, about going into the ministry. And I I have to be where he wants me to be. I I don't think I have the gifts for this. I don't know why he's calling me to this. But I will, um, I will do it. And uh, so she started quoting from Ruth, whether thou, you know, chapter one, whether thou goest, yeah. I will go. And she <laughs> yeah. said, I have news for you. I've known from the first time we went out that God was calling you to the ministry. And I was waiting for you to get the message yourself. Wow. And uh, so she was a wonderful support. And I had to go to seminary. I had a full-time job. Uh, we were starting a fam. We, you know, we, we, we got married, obviously. And then um, yeah. we, um, I was going to seminary and we, we had a house and, uh, starting a family. It, it was hard. Um, and I went to evening, they had an, e- it was called ETEP, evening theological education program out of, uh, out of, um, New Brunswick theological seminary. And they had classes in St. John's university, which is actually a Catholic university on Long Island. So I went there probably two thirds time. Um, that's about what I could handle and work full time. Yeah, yeah. I would work all day, leave, go to seminary, probably wouldn't get home close to midnight, and then have to be up, you know, five in the morning so I could get to the office and and work. So it was, you know, those those seasons in our life we look back on them and we're like, how in the world did I ever do it? Yeah. But we do it. You know, a lot of people get through even worse than what I had. Sure. And we, we muddle through, and, um, and then I, I graduated, uh, you know, seminary. And, and so, yeah, so that was my, my first church was in upstate New York. It was a small uh, congregation in an equally small town. Growing up, I had watched <clears throat> TV shows about life in small town. I don't know if you, remember, you ever heard of uh, the, the Andy Griffith show, but oh, that was for like, sure. Um, I'm from, I'm know, from Tennessee, Doug. It's, it's right. A, the, the town it's modeled after is just right across yeah, okay, the yeah, North Carolina. Well, you're from that. Yeah. You, I've been there you yeah, didn't yeah. Go too far from there, I guess. No. Yeah. Yeah. And I always wanted to live in Mayberry and I quickly discovered not cut out for it. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. So, but, uh, and then I, then I came down here. So I'm a second career person. Um, yeah. I had worked at a double day company and then I worked, for um, Barnes and Noble Financial, and um, was in management. Started in operations, ended up in management, but then but then left it. And then I yeah. And then my second church was here at Addisville, and I've been here ever since. Yeah. How many How many years, Doug? Just to fill in the timeline, were you in yeah. college, and then how many years were you working in the financial world before? Um, well, I worked in the financial world. I worked for for twelve years. Okay, um, twelve. Went from the time I, mean, I part of the, like the last five years, I was uh, I was going to seminary. Right. Um, it took me it took me about five years in seminary to, to to get my MDiv. Yeah. And um, yeah, and then then I was in Westerlo for for less than four years, and then I've been here um, at Addisville for almost twenty five years, which I absolutely cannot even believe that it's yeah. been that long. No, that's amazing. That's amazing, man. That's good. That's a great, that's a great story. Um, so many good little, little, little parts of that funny. I do find it funny that, um, both the pastor at, at, at the church, uh, that you were at, and then also, uh, your wife, since your call to ministry before you did, um, 
it's, in some ways that's scary, but on the other hand, it's very confirming. Um, you know, that uh, when you felt that call, you know, then there was the people around you that were affirming that call, which is really, really helpful. Um, but, uh, but that is, that is really funny. Um, my wife and I, we were good friends before um, we started dating. And so among like our first conversations about dating, we talked about marriage and we talked about ministry. Um, that, but, but that's a, a conversation that could be tough on some relationships because it is a different um, our, our wives and, and our children, they, they're, they're signing up for a different life than if we were it's, in another it's not vocation. An easy, it isn't easy for them. It's hard. Yeah. So hard. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad that conversation went well, Doug. That's good. Um, hey man. So I feel good. This is our next section here. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about preaching specifically. Uh, do you enjoy preaching? Let's talk. How, what, what's preaching ministry like for you these days at Addisville? And uh, chat about it a little bit. What do you What do you enjoy about it? Yeah, I I really I really love preaching. I would say there's um, there's a lot, and you and I have talked about this. There's a there's a lot of moving parts in being a pastor, and there's things that you love, and then there's things you don't love as much. Sure. But are just part of the package. You're, you know, you're called yeah. to do. I, I, I thoroughly enjoy preaching. Um, it's funny because growing up, when I wasn't getting thrown out of, you know, churches, I, <laughs> I was, I was, in fact, by my nature, I was, I was on the shy side. Believe it mm. or not. Yeah. And uh, I <laughs> that was. Is hard, that is hard to believe, Doug. I know. I know. Every, <laughs> every people like, yeah, I, I'm not buying it. But people that that know me, I, I'm blessed to have had friends that go back to kindergarten. I mean, I, I have wow. one friend I've known since kindergarten and we have enough to blackmail each other to silence, you know, because yeah, we sure. went through all the crazy periods in our lives and the crazy things that we did. But um, I was, I, I, I did not enjoy public speaking. I didn't enjoy giving oral reports. I remember shaking and trembling, having to do it. Um, and it wasn't until I got into high school and I took a drama class um, uh, because oh, yeah. I needed a filler class. So yeah. that was open and I, I did, I did a, a drama class. And, um, and I remember doing like a part from a, from a play or something. I forget what it was exactly. And everybody clapped for me and said, oh, wow, you're, you're really good. And that was the first time anybody ever told me I was a good public speaker. And uh, so that, that kind of opened my, my thinking maybe to like public speaking. Not that I did a lot of it, yeah. but I guess just then going into ministry, just fell in love with, with uh, preaching um, on just so many different levels. And when you preach a sermon and somebody says, the Lord really spoke to me, mm. um, that is, that in some ways it doesn't get too much better than that. You feel yeah. you, I, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a leaky vessel. I mean, I'm, I'm an imperfect yeah. person, but when you know, God has spoken uh, through you to somebody that the Holy spirit touched them. Um, and you, you were like the tool in the Lord's hand. That's, that's a sweet spot. And, um, yeah, so yeah. that's, that's a blessing. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think it's Warren Wearsby in his book, uh, like on being a servant of God, he uses the illustration of being a conduit. Um, and that's always stuck with me, uh, like being a conduit of, of God's word, being a conduit of yeah. grace. Great visual. 
Yeah. And it's, yeah, because it's like the message goes through us, but it's, yeah, it's, yeah, we're a tool in the, in the Redeemer's hands. It's, it's really him. Um, what do you enjoy specifically about preaching, Doug? Is it the, is it the delivery? Is it the, the, the prep? Um, or what, what, what more minute details do you, do you enjoy specifically about it? Um, I would say the, the whole process for the most part, I enjoy studying and digging into passages. I'm also, Hey, I'm, I'm part Irish. Irish love to spin a yarn. I I'm so my, my sermons have storytelling elements to it. Mm. Um, a little bit of humor if it's appropriate and then getting back into how the original audience would have heard what was being said in scripture, because yeah. we have to cut through the fact that our culture is far removed from that world sure. and things that would have been instantly understandable to people are like, what, what does that mean? And so it's a joy in trying to explain some of that and seeing people get that. Is that what that meant? Um, you know, I, I, that's very enjoyable to me. So, um, so yeah, I I, uh, I I I love the whole process and uh, and I enjoy it. I don't follow. Um, I think a lot of people, maybe you do. I don't really follow the electionary. I'm not a electionary person. Um, yeah. Once in a while, sometimes maybe during like Advent, I might right. do some of it. But for the most part, I don't. Um, I sometimes preach whole books. So over the past couple of years, I've I did. Um, I did Genesis. I that took me months <laughs> to get yeah, through that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we did um, uh, uh, Ruth and Esther, and uh, I've done all four Gospels. Preached through them. I did Romans a number of years, a few a few years ago. Preached through the yeah. Book of Romans. So I'll do whole book, and then I'll do some uh, topical too. I'll kind of throw in some topical, maybe a four or five week on a particular topic and see what the scriptures do. So I, I do a variety of different approaches. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. We're similar in that way. Yeah. We've never really used the lectionary. I'm sure. I don't know if I've ever referenced it. I'm sure Jim has on occasion, like you said, maybe in some of those more yeah. uh, high, higher like liturgical I'm, calendar seasons, yeah. Advent, Lent. Um, but yeah. We're similar. Like what we'll do um, shorter I say shorter series because there are churches out there that spend, you know, eight years going through the book of Romans or something, you know? So I say shorter, but yeah, well, we might spend four or five months going through a book, uh, sometimes less, you know, and, and yeah, and we try to go back and forth too and have a healthy diet of, um, of the different genres in, in the scriptures, old Testament, new Testament, but also old Testament history and poetry. Uh, we've done some prophetic from the Old Testament, New Testament, the Gospels, the letters. It's it's nice to have that that variety of diet, um, and 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 it is fun to go through those 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 old books. And that's something about the Reformed tradition that I do love, um, seeking to preach the whole counsel of Scripture. And when you go through a book, it forces you to to maybe preach on some topics and passages you don't want to preach on. But that's that's a good and and healthy thing to do, both as a preacher and as a pastor, but also for our for our listeners and the congregations mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's good. Would, would you say, um, does, does preaching fit you, Doug? I mean, you mentioned that you were a shy, a little bit shy when you were younger, which again is still hard to believe. Um, but then, yeah, kind of discovered that, that maybe public speaking in some form or fashion was something that you enjoy. Does it, does it something that fits your personality or is it something you have to really work yourself up to do? Uh, week after week after week. Yeah, I you know I've I've spoken to people 
who are on the maybe more introverted side of it and yet are really very good preachers. The uh, difference is that an introvert who preaches, when the sermon's over, when they go home, they are physically wiped. It takes mm-hmm. a lot out of them. Yeah. Uh, if if you're if you're an extrovert, it it rejuvenates you. It like energizes you. It 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 charges you up. So I am I am invigorated uh, by yeah. by preaching. Um, that that doesn't mean, you know, as I've gotten older, I don't go home and take a I take a nap in the afternoon on Sundays. I mean, <laughs> sometimes enough. I'm just physically just just a little tired. I was up early, but it does um, it 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 definitely energizes me. So I guess that's a that's a per- I've known people that were excellent preachers, and they by their nature they're very introverted uh, yep. people, and yet they were powerful powerful preachers. But it did wipe it did take a lot out of them, and yeah. uh, for me it, it 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 has the exact opposite. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I, that makes me think of the um, the teaching pastor at my old church. It was an introvert, um, and he would and he would say that. And 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 it was a large church, and there was kind of like a back room, kind of green room sort of deal, where like the music team or the the preaching pastor would kind of hang out. There was three services on Sunday, so they would kind of hang out back there during the first part of the service or whatever. And um, but to but to walk from the green room to the main offices, you had to walk through like the main lobby. And there's so many times where I remember seeing him come out this like unmarked weird door that went to the green room and he would just head down, beeline it for the offices and try not to talk to anybody um, between between services or whatever, because I think it really wiped him out and, um, mm. and getting into like other side conversations I guess would just push them over the edge of having having enough energy to to get through all three services. Right. Um, and you know, yeah. 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 I can I can understand that, but that is not a problem that I <laughs> that's good. I have the opposite. Sometimes I sometimes my, my wife is like, it's time to turn out the lights and go home, honey. So I have the opposite sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you just need to add more services, Doug, and see see what your max is, you know. Get, uh, yeah. <laughs> Tell, tell me, maybe this is this is a little off script. Tell me about preaching two two services, Doug. So we at Liberty Collins would only have one. I actually have way back in my early days. Maybe we'll do a preacher origin for me one of these days. Um, did some did some preaching where I would preach multiple services back to back. But most of my preaching life has been with one. And for Jim, I don't know if he's ever preached multiple services on a Sunday morning. Maybe he has. He can correct me. Um, if he has, but I know at his different church contexts that he's been in as a full-time pastor, it's always been one service. Tell me a little bit about that dynamic of you've got your early service, your later service, but it's the same sermon. Um, what, what's that like? Do you do you find yourself tweaking the sermon between, or do you just go with it? Um, or yeah, g- give me a little bit of, uh, of some thoughts about doing two services on a Sunday. Yeah, that that's a really interesting question. Uh, it it can be sometimes uh, you can give a hundred percent, you know, and you preach a hundred percent, and then you think, oh man, I have to do this again. Yeah, and uh, it can, you know, it can it can, it can be different. Um, it, it's interesting because the dynamics in the congregation is different too. Yeah, the nine o'clock is a lot of older folks that right. um, are very comfortable in church, and ironically. Um, if you're preaching, 
they they are very demonstrative in in their expression um as far as if you tell a funny story they laugh hard um if you say something that's shocking people will go oh like that and like you're actually, you're actually getting a response which if you're a speaker you kind of you kind of are eating that up because yeah, people are responding. They're trying. You feel like they're really tracking with you, and the the second service, even though it's more informal, it seems to have more people that are maybe less comfortable in the church setting. Um, they're not as at ease. They tend to be a little on the quieter side. They're they're processing information differently. Yeah. And so you don't always have, that's always shocking to people because they would think it would be the opposite, that yeah, the more that formal is service would be. But it's really, I don't know if that's how it is in other churches, but at Addisville, it's almost the opposite. Um, and the second, sir, the, the 1030 folk tend to be um, not as demonstrative. They're, they're, they're a little bit um, quiet. And I think it, because it has a higher percentage of people that are seeking and searching and and less comfortable in the church uh, environment. It's it's not natural to them. I mean, I grew up in the church, so I'm very comfortable. Then you have someone that grew up in a ver- in a, maybe a, a non-religious household, or um, or yeah. you know they or they came from a different faith, and the church is foreign to them. Mm-hmm. The things that yeah. we do that we think are so uh, that were that are so normal seem odd and peculiar. And uh, so it's different. So, so the level of energy sometimes can be, can be different. And definitely you do sometimes you'll go off on some little tangent and in, in, at the one service that you didn't go up in the other or yeah. something happens or someone says something in between services that really resonated and then you yeah. kind of elaborate. So there, there are, yeah, there, there definitely can be differences between the two. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think that's fun. Again, in my, my limited experience doing that, um, yeah, those comments sometimes between the services could be really helpful to sharpen that second giving of the message where, yeah, you could maybe elaborate on a point or say it a little bit of a different way or, yeah. I've heard, and I've heard preachers too. I, I try to listen to preachers in my own personal time. I don't do it super frequently, but maybe once a week, probably not quite as often. But um, where they'll say, hey, like after the last service, and they'll actually quote like somebody that they have a conversation with between services. And it's, sometimes it's really insightful and really, really helpful. Um, so that is yeah. kind of a neat, a neat yeah. aspect. Of no, it is. Thing. It is. It definitely is. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But, the, but, there, but there is always a concern about getting your energy level because getting, yeah. it does take a lot of energy. And sometimes you, know, yeah. you're, you have to get yourself uh not not that it's it's just emotionalism but you you have to get your energy back up to to do it one more time and you want to do it well so that that can sometimes yeah. be, be a challenge yeah yeah totally yeah um yeah so the last section here uh doug of this little tour of sun studios i can't quit you baby i have no idea where that reference is from I'm sure it's from a blues song uh i'm sure jim knows uh maybe we can google it later um and, and I want to talk about the future here in a second, but let's look back because you are uh, an, an older guy. You've been at Addisville for 25 years in ministry, a little longer than that, serving in churches even longer. Um, yeah. How has your preaching changed from the 90s uh, when you were first in Addisville to, uh, to, to today? What, what have been some, some tweaks um, that you've made along the way? And then maybe we'll look forward a little bit. 
Yeah, I I was I was really thinking about that that question. Um, the the world that I grew up in, the world that I knew, is gone. I mean, it's such yeah. we live in such a a different world, and there are sometimes, and I think people, there's anyone listening who's like older, you'll probably relate to what I'm saying is that sometimes you feel like a stranger in a strange land. It's like, mm. what happened to the world? You know, it's just we're we're in such different places, and so many things have changed. And so it's I it's coming to terms with that. And that's one of the things I really love about when you and then Brian sometimes and I go out. I, I love I, I find it very energizing to listen to you guys. And I you help me understand some of the trends and some of the things going on in the world that I don't always understand. I don't I don't fully comprehend sometimes because the world is just changing so much. And, um, you know, so. That is a great blessing. I, I mean, I remember now, I think with the one time we were talking and, you know, you, you can remember when there really wasn't um, social media platforms, you know, maybe yeah. when you were yeah. like younger, they didn't exist. I mean, that really, that stuff really didn't take off until maybe late 90s, early 2000s. They started coming out with different platforms. Before that, it was email. Well, I yeah. remember, I remember when there was no internet or at least not one that we that we knew i mean yeah. they trace the internet to what like what back to the 60s or something but the internet that we know really didn't take off until the mid 90s yeah so i i remember when saying i'm surfing the net was like a cool thing to say and <laughs> um, you know and yeah. I, I remember a time when people didn't have computers um in in their homes that yeah. was I remember my mom taking me to the New York World's Fair, and that was like science fiction stuff in the future. And yeah. Um, yeah. and so, you know, so the world has changed. For me, I think for us older folks, um, it can be challenging keeping up with the technology, with all the changes, with new social media platforms that are, you know, introduced, and the old ones then become passe. And and it's it's so hard. I'm so grateful for uh, younger members in our church that are really on top of that, because I know how important sure. it is. I know it's vital. I know you have to have it out there. But in some cases, some of it, I barely understand. I don't understand some of it. Sure. And then and then what really has changed is the whole, whole services. We had talked about streaming for, you know, years. Well, the pandemic kickstarted it. Yeah, uh, the yeah. week after the pandemic shut everything down, we we were on. Uh, it was through someone's iPhone, but we got our services streaming. And I'm always being told by the AV people that when I'm preaching, I should look at the camera as well because there's people that are watching. And so, and I've noticed over the past couple of years, I have, I think it's subconscious. I have slightly modified my preaching mm -hmm. because of the streaming. Um, I talk a little slower than I used to, and mm. I it's and I didn't even realize I was doing it. I just started adapting to the technology yeah. um, and the screens and that we have in our church now. And it's just it has changed so much from when I first started preaching. Now your, your preaching style changes anyway because when you first get out of seminary, I mean, you know to then the years go by. I mean, hopefully we do grow and, yeah, and develop sure. and stuff. But the but the world has changed so it's so much. 
um, that it's it's hard to sometimes keep up with it, and the technology can be overwhelming sometimes. Yeah. 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 Maybe. What about? Um, yeah, I think the technology is a big part of that, and you know, yeah, it, it's funny. I mean, I'm glad that you feel like Ryan and I can be helpful with with some of that technology stuff. Like, I'm I, I turned 35 this year. And I, I'm starting to feel like a grumpy old man because I look out my window and I see uh, you, the middle schoolers or high schoolers like walking down the street from the pizza place and, and they're like doing TikTok dances in the middle of the road. And I'm like, get out of the road, kids, there's cars, you know? And I'm like, I don't know what they're doing. Like, I don't understand TikTok. I don't, I don't get any of that. So I, I, you know, I'm not- You can start to relate to some of it anyway. Oh so. boy, I'm not too far behind yeah. you in some ways, Doug. Cause yeah, I didn't get my first cell phone until uh, high school. And it was just a flip phone that all it did was talk, you know? And right. It was, it was really just so my mom knew where I was, you know, when I started driving um, and didn't have my first smartphone until after college when I was married. And um, yeah, so it's, it's wild how that changes. But how about that? Outside of technology, Doug, maybe like culturally, you know, like the, the 90s to today is a pretty different world. I mean, even just it feels like since in the last decade, the, the yeah. amount of, you know, whether it's political or otherwise polarization, the, the, the rise of, of, of secularity um, has, yeah. has increased so much. Like looking back to when you started at Addisville today, how has your preaching had to adapt a little bit just based on cultural changes as well? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I grew up uh, in a time where, I mean, Christianity, it, it was, it was somewhat shallow, but everybody went, almost everybody went to church. I don't, I never met anyone who said they were an eight, I mean, I said I was an atheist, so I didn't have to go to confirmation class just to freak my family out. But <laughs> right. I, I really don't remember many atheists when I was in, in school. And most people were affiliated with a church or a synagogue where I grew up. And so, um, and, and uh, you know, I, I remember hearing like Billy Graham talk about how when he first started preaching, and he was a big evangelist in case people don't know who yeah. he is. Yeah, yeah. Um, he uh, he used to preach and he would say that the Bible says, well, back, you know, in the 50s and the 60s, even if people weren't living by it, the Bible had a certain authoritative quality to it. Yeah. You could say that people, you know, by the time you hit the 90s, even people are like, well, there's a lot of different books. Who cares what the Bible says? So mm. people's attitudes, the the rapid secularization, um, the decline of uh, church attendance. Um, that we've seen that has really uh, kind of taken off um, since probably the the middle of the two, like early 2000s, like the first decade from now, yeah. we've seen in the last 15 years, a decline in the religiosity, if you want to say, of Americans. Uh, we're, we're, we're kind of following the trends that were taking place earlier, earlier in Canada and in Europe, but we're yeah. seeing that ha starting to really happen happen here so you have more and more um, people that are that that are not coming to church uh, you have Sunday morning sports which yep. um, yeah you know, has become more prevalent and makes it challenging so people have to make choices for their children and uh, so there's just a lot a lot of trends that are are going on and then people's moral views have really changed a lot and so there's a there's a lot there's a lot of things going on 
that um, have definitely impacted. And then I don't want to I don't want to say people's attention span isn't as long. I, I don't want to say quite like that, but I think people are just used to yeah. information coming in a certain package and to yeah. sit and listen and passively to somebody talk for like a half an hour can be a stretch for a lot of people. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so that that can be a challenge and you have to think of ways to keep people engaged and tracking in what you're saying where years ago, um, maybe that was less of less of an issue. So yeah, it's a lot of things have changed. Yeah, for sure. I, and, and I think in Tim, one of Tim Keller's books, I don't remember if it's in his preaching book or Center Church or somewhere else, but I remember reading where he talks about, uh, you know, the transience of New York City. And obviously, us living in the Philadelphia metro region is not quite uh, like Manhattan. Um, but I, I know for us, like, we're in a more transient area than I grew right. up in. And I think just culturally, we're in a more transient culture than we used to be. And I remember him talking about how he feels like he he needs to preach like a like a full diet of scripture, like within, I think it was a two-year cycle, because so much of their church would turn over every couple of years. That um, is very, yeah. That's you know, and I think, people. and I think back to, you know, even when I was a kid or, or, or further back, you know, that preachers had people for decades or maybe even for their whole life um, where they could preach the slow and steady diet of, you know, whether it's the genres or hit on different theological topics. Yeah. And now mm-hmm. it's so quick that people turn over. You don't have as long to try to get through some of those topics and things, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, that there, there's a lot of truth in that. I would say like our area um, has a little bit less turnover in that our area is the place that people aspire to end up in because it's an mm. upper class area. So, um, so people people tend to, um, you know, stay in the area for a while. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Hey, man, thanks for looking back a little bit. Hey, let's look ahead for just a minute, and then I know we're running low on time. We'll wrap up. Um, but what what challenges do you see ahead, Doug? Uh, we just talked about some of the changes and things over these last 20 years and some broad strokes, but what do you see ahead uh, over the next few years in your preaching? What, what challenges or, or things are you thinking about um, coming up? I... I think about um, how to engage uh, younger families and children. Yeah, um, that's that's a concern um, because younger families they have a lot of moving parts in their life. Yeah. Uh, now, most in in many cases, both of them are working. Yeah. Um, they are maybe turning to childcare when the children aren't in school. Um, their free time is very limited, um, mm-hmm. and so the role that that church plays, we have to, I think, think outside the box in how we reach out to and tap into this to these people. And we're still trying to figure that out, how we can minister um, to these to these people, and how we can reach out to them. And uh, so that's, I think, a continually, uh, you know. We're going to have to grow in our in our technology, yeah, um, tools. Um, but at the same time, trying to see help people see the importance of being in community with other believers. And technology is wonderful, but it has you one step removed from 
the community that we read about in the scriptures. Yeah. So that's the challenge is how do we build genuine Christian community among people that are running at the speed of light and are juggling yeah. so many things. How do we do that? That weighs heavy on me. And that has me sometimes up in the middle of the night praying because I don't have all the answers in how to do that, but it weighs heavy on yeah. my heart. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. And Jim and I have, have talked about both of those things that going back to that first thing with preaching, um, and, and communicating to like younger families, like, you know, again, I think pandemic, you know, a lot of people have said that pandemic was, uh, you know, it didn't necessarily create any new problems, but it just like expedited a lot of problems, you I know, totally pushed a lot of things. Yeah. It pushed a lot of things forward. Um, and, uh, in, in some of the issues. So I just got a, I just got a phone call. I was distracting. Hopefully that didn't come through on the recording. Um, the, uh, but it, it, you know, it was an accelerator of, of issues. And I think, yeah, we, we live in a place where there's a lot of, um, uh, families. Yeah. Both, both parents are working, uh, the sports on Sunday morning, even for some of our most committed, dedicated people, um, they, they, they don't really get to choose if their township puts, you know, their children's age, uh, soccer games at, at noon on Sundays, you know, or whatever. Um, and, and I think one of the things that we've been talking about, Jim and I, and, at Liberty Church Collinswood has just been that, you know, as, poor, as important as preaching always has been, I think always will be, and, and corporate worship, and as a part of the life of, of a follower of Jesus, like it can't be the only content that they consume from us as pastors mm-hmm. or from our churches, because uh, they're just not in the building every week. They may or may not listen to the recording every week, but yeah. because of technology, because of how easy it is to access uh, d- information and communication from other sources, good and bad, um, we have to get a, more content, more communication, more Bible mm-hmm. out there into people's mm-hmm. hands. And that's a challenge because that takes time to, you know, a podcast like this or, or blogs or other uh, yeah. things, they take time. Um to, yeah. to produce and create, but I think they're really important because otherwise, um, if you don't do those things, then, then a family that comes to your church, they might hear a sermon from the Bible once a week. And then, you know, they're getting that one hour, but maybe b- before they hear the next sermon, they've consumed 40, 50, 60 hours of other content, um, you know, podcasts and, and books and audible and that kind of stuff. And so, um, yeah, I think that's a challenge going forward that you mentioned that I, I feel as well, that how, how can we continue to communicate the truths of God's word in some creative ways that, that aren't just behind the pulpit on Sunday morning um, for, for people? Yeah. Which is something the church should have been doing all along, really. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that we, we sometimes focus so much energy on that hour, hour and a half on Sunday morning, and Christianity is so much more than that. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's important, but it's not all of it. Yeah. No. Sure. Well, and for some people that that's, that's their Christian hook. That's, that's, that's their, that's their primary and you, but you know, yeah. So you want, you want to give people opportunities to, to be a disciple in a variety of different ways. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. Um, any, yeah. any final, uh, any final words, Doug, that you want to say as we, as we wrap up here, I want to honor your time and 
Uh, just really enjoyed hanging out with you, Eric. It's always a pleasure. You're a, you're a good man, and uh, I, I, I am very thankful to know you. So, yeah. Yeah, appreciate it. Appreciate it, Doug. I wasn't I wasn't fishing for a compliment there, but I will I will take it. It's always encouraging. <laughs> it's always encouraging oh, yeah, to be with and, you. And just really enjoyed it. And the time I, I can't believe how quickly the I'm looking at the clock. I can't believe I know. I know my belly is starting to rumble a little bit, so I know lunch is approaching. Um, no, no, uh, no notes this week from Howland Wolves uh, to to go to. Jim will be back uh, next week, I think, for a normal podcast we've got a guest preacher coming up this sunday so i'm not sure exactly what jim has on tap but we'll be back in this space um yeah so to everybody uh out there uh who's been hanging out listening uh feel free to email in post sunday blues at gmail.com if you have questions thoughts feedback either for doug or for me or or just uh for the podcast in general and uh be sure to rate review and subscribe all that kind of good stuff so you don't miss future episodes. So Doug, thanks again, buddy. And we'll, uh, we'll talk to you later. Absolutely. My pleasure. That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the post Sunday blues of preaching postmortem production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe. And you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more post Sunday blues. Here comes some pre Sunday happy. Well,